We're going to continue with the new format. Just, we're just going to see the outcome. So if, if you guys would, see this with me. Um, so I saw a woman uh, dancing in a dress, and she just felt so confident and so loved. The next is a young man, maybe early 20s. And I just I pictured you telling your friends how strong your legs have always been. And I specifically saw you um, doing a roundhouse kick in a taekwondo competition. Pretty cool. <laughs> I saw some doing, someone doing some outdoor activity in the sunshine. And um, specifically the exercise where you've got the heavy ropes that you're like lifting up and down. And I just saw you thinking to yourself, this is a better high than I could ever have imagined I, I could have. And then someone's sipping wine, and they asked, can I really be free to do this? And the spirit in you answered yes, and you're looking for confirmation that that was the spirit in you answering yes, and that was it. Yeah, so. All right, so I want to do, uh, if we can, Chloe, if we can bring those, that first slide up, this is really a great lead-in to these Q&As. Um, and this is from uh, Cambodia. And Tommy, who ties into Freedom, and uh, Debbie from Thailand sent me this. But let me, get, let me set the story. So the Cambodian lady is a, a mom with two kids, and she's quote-unquote demonic or crazy, right? So they've got her chained to this bed in her bedroom. And so this, this couple, Tommy, I don't know who that is actually, but uh, Tommy sent me this. And so... Um, let me share what they did, and then we'll show you the next picture after I, I share this, okay? So this is exactly what Ashley was just saying, too. It's so great. So it says this. Uh, so this is from Tommy. A month ago, we visited a poor family in their hut in a distant village. And this is in Cambodia, like I said. The mother of two children was chained to the ground in her empty bedroom. The grandma and sister told us she was so crazy and violently dangerous that they had to change her to protect themselves. So we prayed for her. And loved her inner person, meaning they didn't try to cast any demons out, guys. They didn't do anything goofy. They weren't yelling or anything like that. They loved her. They, they loved her in her true identity, which is Christ in her. The following days, we visualized her whole. They, we, they visualized her whole. They saw it, just like Ashley was talking about. They saw what they desired inside. They visualized her whole. They visualized her sane. They saw her beautifully happy and back to normal. We imagined the grandma and the sister telling us how amazed they were by the change that had taken place. And this was obviously a real, a real, real miracle of God, <clears throat> and she's so much better. So we saw them in our imagination, jumping and praising and telling us how it all had happened. A month later, we went back with a donation of rice and found the quote-unquote crazy lady, nice, smiling, happy, and healthy in her right mind. The grandma and sister are so happy, and, are so happy as well and completely praiseful. This is truly an amazing recovery. Now, here's the, here's the secret. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe you already have it, then you will. That's, that's how he finished it. Is that cool or is that cool? You can show that next slide now. So she's in her right mind, happy. They got rice. So um, I'm communicating with Tommy right now. I want to take care of this lady with Inspire. Just, just pay for her food or whatever she needs for a long time. Is that, is that okay with you guys? Because a lot of money goes a long ways there. You can pay for food and whatever for... Now, how's that? 30 days. It probably happened faster, but they went back in 30 days, and this lady was chained to a, chained to a um, bed. All they did was 
see what they desired as if it had already happened within and trusted Christ in them to bring it to pass. And that's what happens. Is that cool or is that cool? Now, none of you guys are chained to a bed, at least that I know of. So all of your problems are less than this, right? They're, they're all less than this. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight is, is uh, how simple it actually is. And so do you want to share your, your, your journey at the end? It might be better at the end, I think. Yeah. No, that's the mom. She's got two kids and the grandma and her sister, the mom's sister, said she's crazy. And so they chained her to a bed. So they were taking care of the, the, the mom's two kids. So this couple just went in and loved her and saw her happy, sane, joyful as a mom. Yeah, that's mom, 30 days later. No chain, no nothing, no yelling at the devil, nothing like that. <laughs> no, right, right. The, the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, not yelling at the devil. Okay? So that may be a surprise to you. And that kind of, uh, that kind of was one of the first questions is, is, um, that I had was uh, how do you pray when dealing with evil spirits and witchcraft? Well, first of all, there aren't any evil spirits in witchcraft, okay? That's a, that's a lie perpetrated by the church, misinterpreting scripture. There's one spirit, is what the book says, right? There's one spirit. So if you're dealing with uh, evil spirits and witchcraft, you've been told that it's real and you're dealing with it. It's not real, guys. There's one spirit, and what you do with that spirit, what they don't realize is the, the spirit's submissive to you. So... All that's happening. So if you're if you're binding the devil and Satan and demons and all this stuff, you get more of it. That's all it is because it, you're giving it energy, you're giving it attention, and your spirit is actually creating that. Now people go, you don't believe in any of that stuff. I go, no, we went we went to Bible school in Africa. We saw crazy stuff just like that. And people go, how would you do with it? I would love them. No raising voices, none of that. Love them in their person. See them how you want it to be, and let Christ bring it to pass. So. Um, if you're still, if you're praying against things, you're not doing what scripture says, which is think on these things, things that are lovely, things that are pure. If there's any virtue, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. It doesn't say anywhere, pray against anything. Does it? So think on these things. Believe you have what you already, believe you have what you have already desired and you'll have it. Comes, that, that deals with government, vaccines, all kinds of stuff, guys. Uh-oh, I hit a hot button in Christian community. So anyway, we better move on. You do with that what you want. Most people are spending so much energy on stuff that is really totally irrelevant to them. They've given, all right, so have you ever heard this, Christmas coming up, you ever heard, what was that song that we'd always sing? Is like uh, uh, Emmanuel, right? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel is? you know what the name is? It means God with you. Where, is God with you? Where is he? He's in you. He's always been with you. You're that tent in the Old Testament that's walking around the skin tent that the, the, the narrative was, wherever we go, God's there. Weird. It's a picture of you. That's what it's talking about. So when it says, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, the government shall be on his shoulders. Well, you, like Ashley said, you and the Father are one. So the government's on whose shoulders? Your shoulders, guys. So if you're saying the government this, the government that, you've given your authority to the government and you're wasting your time. See what you want and it'll happen. Amen? You don't have to come against any government official. So, um, is that good? Does that help you? We'll hit some tough stuff. We, we, we talk a lot like this on the fellowships, actually. We, we get after it on some of these things that um, you're not allowed to talk about in church. It would help you a lot, but... You, um, Anyway, so uh, this, this is a good one. I'll let you start this one, sweet. It was, um, 
how do you, as far as parenting, <clears throat> discern what movies, uh, media were appropriate, and uh, what did you allow kids to do and not do? That's a good question for you to start with. Uh-oh. My kids are sitting back there. So. Yeah, ask, ask our kids. That's probably the better. The better <laughs> They're uh, listening to me now. Um, you know, when they were little, and let me start, preface it with this, is I would probably do things a lot differently now. And, and a good um, thing to know is that it's okay to be wrong sometimes as a parent. It's okay to say I messed up or I would have done things differently and to even apologize to your kids. So when they were quite young, um, like elementary school age and younger, is I was really particular and, and, you know, a lot of us have experiences and I was very, things visual really affected me, music, all that kind of stuff. So I remembered having some negative experiences watching things when I was little that I wish I hadn't. So I was a little again, out of love and protection, everything, I was a little bit of a fanatic about what they did and didn't watch. And they would probably agree with that. And so not that I would let them just watch whatever they wanted, um, but I was very particular about protecting, protecting what went into their mind and anything that might cause fear. So, of course, when they're younger, um, hey, you know, it's kind of like, hey, honey, I really don't want you watching certain things because it puts images in your head. And give an explanation. It was never just because I said so and I'm your parent, so listen to me. I did try to have conversation with them, whether they understood it all the time, maybe not. Um, and as they got older, we didn't put a lot of restrictions on them. Maybe I still did. And that's probably one thing I would switch, is I would probably communicate more to them, like, hey, you want to watch this show? This is why I don't think it's a good idea. Um, and if they experiment with that and they experience something negative, then it would probably be a great opportunity to talk to them and um, have them see, like, man, I wish I hadn't seen that. I don't know. Do you want to add to that? I, I just wrote some notes with that same idea. It says, when they were really young, we, we didn't allow media that caused fear. Um, because they, fear, there's, no, there's nothing as just your imagination. That's not a real thing. If, they, if you inject fear in them, that's become very real into them. And they don't have context a lot of the times to, to experience that. So I think, uh, so we were pretty particular as young kids, what, what we allowed the content into their yeah, minds. Yeah, everything was happy, joyful, um, not a lot of drama. and. Um, we didn't watch the news in the house in front of them, guys. That's depressing, isn't it? <laughs> And they have no yeah. context. Again, they're, they're happy, joyful little kids. We didn't, we didn't, like I go into a lot of the house, and it's up to you guys. I, just saying our kids were pretty happy and normal, I think, right? <laughs> so we didn't have a lot of the issues. And then as they grew up, we, we were able to communicate with them more, like, didn't put a lot of restrictions on and go, hey, you know what? I wish you wouldn't because here's, here's the, the reality of, of if you put this image in your mind. But uh, we let them do most things. And... Um, because uh, one of one of if and here's for me if you what didn't work for me growing up was what we tried to not do with our kids was well I'm your parents that's just how it is right now anybody that bothered you like to that drove me crazy yeah like so and I 
<laughs> and the, my, my sisters and brothers could probably attest to this. So uh, I was the type of kid that if you told me not to do it and di get, di didn't give me an explanation why not, I was knee deep in it, guys. So I was going to go find out why they didn't want me to do it. If they wouldn't give me an explanation to do it, I was going to go figure it out. And I would go do it. And I would, so that was, uh, um, and here's what's really interesting about that, though. I had no guilt or, or shame about doing any of it, so I never got in trouble, ever. You, you watch that, right? Because I didn't have any guilt or shame about it, which is, that's where I, one of the questions that we're going to talk about is that I think that's where the, the, the Christian church, we're going to talk about sin and unpardonable sin. And, and because they've so abused what it is, we've put all kinds of guilt, shame, weirdness on kids where they come out and uh, like we, we were even doubted whether we wanted to homeschool because I saw most of the kids were kind of spooks. You know what I'm talking about? Like, no, they're weird. Like those kids are weird. They're when they get to college, they're going to be exposed to stuff and have no concept of how to deal with it. So like I would go, oh, you homeschool? And I go, no, 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 yeah, I would explain, right? I was like, no, 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 Not, nothing wrong if you do this, but this wasn't us. I said, my wife doesn't sew her own clothes and wear white tennis shoes. That's a homeschool mom in my mind. How I grew up is like, no, that's who homeschools, right? And so uh, I was like, that's not who we are. We do it out of, we do it out of, uh, um, really out of our lifestyle because we traveled so much and we didn't want to, ask, I didn't want to ask another man if I could take my kids on vacation. I was like, that's weird to me. Like, what if he said no? Again, I'm the type of guy you tell me no, that, well, now they're definitely going. In fact, they're going for a month. <laughs> so anyway, I just think if you teach your, if you tell your kids, this is how it is without communicating with them, you're, you're, you're setting yourself up for some rebellion. Is that fair enough for you guys? Yeah, none of us are, none of us are perfect. We make mistakes, but I think all of you that do have kids, you know that you did the best you could and you, you made decisions based hopefully out of love and, um, you know, was it always correct? No. And that's okay. I mean, it's okay to admit that. Do we wish we would have done things maybe a little bit differently sometimes? Of course. And we've, but, we've communicated with our kids a yes. lot. We've asked for forgiveness a lot and go, guys. Yes, I think that's, that's critical as a parent to go, I was wrong. And that's okay to be wrong sometimes. Because guess what? When they get older and they have kids, they're going to do their best too. But are they going to be right 100% of the time? No. So, you know, I, I think it's having the humility to be able to talk to your kids that way and let them know that you make mistakes sometimes and ask for forgiveness and, and, love, and move forward and love each other. So. That help. So we, we put rules on them um, when they didn't know. So we didn't inject fear and in, in the world and different things into them um, when they didn't have contacts where we couldn't talk to them and discuss it. Go, hey, here's, here's why, guys. And uh, now we, we pretty much allow them to do almost anything they want to do because uh, uh, we also know we have the fire of God, the shin of God to, to redo anything, right? So we've gone through lots of certain scenarios like, well, what if this ever happened? Well, what, how does our relationship and our love for them change? Well, it doesn't. Okay, then there's nothing to worry about. And I was a little more um, intense on that. Mike was always pretty, whatever. And I was a little more like, no, no. And the reason why, you guys, is because it was from fear, from within me. And anything you do out of fear, it doesn't work. So looking back, that would probably be the one thing that I noticed about myself is that when I put restrictions or said no about something, a lot of it was because of an internal fear that I had, which is wrong. Good. Uh, here, you can start this next question too. This is a pretty good one. Um, how do you encourage each other and stay full of faith, especially when somebody's um, taking on negative feelings and feeling down? 
in a relationship context, correct? It's in any, well, the, it was to us, so, but it's in, in anything. How do you, how do you, Mike and Barb, how do you encourage each other and keep full of faith basically when one of you is not? Well, I would say that you encourage yourself from yes. within. And so in doing that, not thinking about or worrying about what somebody else is doing, when I know that I have internal peace and joy and love and am expressing that and having that emotion, that that absolutely affects everything around me. So there isn't, um, and I think we practice it quite well, not that we're perfect at it all the time, but you know, for the most part, we encourage ourselves. So I don't feel like I have to go, oh, I need to go encourage Mike and it's going to be okay, honey, or anything like that, because he's doing the same thing. So if the other person isn't thinking that way or doesn't feel that way or doesn't understand that, let them be and do exactly what Mike's been teaching and start to see them full of joy and peace and maybe coming up to you and going, man, I feel so awesome. I haven't felt this good in so long. I just, I'm full of joy. So as you use that, your imagination to see that person coming to you, whether it's a spouse or a friend or, or whatever, is that you're praying for them and knowing that it's impacting them. And I think the only thing I would add to that is uh, we do our best to never go there. We really do. Like, because if you're going there, um, by definition, well, we don't correct each other a lot for one, like, like stop doing that. Or why are you doing that? Like <laughs> that ought to work well. Right. It's like elementary school. Yeah. Right? Like, well, he did that. Yeah. I see a lot of couples do <laughs> yeah, that. Unfortunately, we are guilty of that at one point. In our oh no. Lives. Yeah. But we've, we've <laughs> everything like, we're telling you not to do. We've done. Before. Actually, when it, when this first came in, you want to know how blunt I was grow up and stop. I told her, I go, grow up and stop. Stop doing that. How old are you? That's what I would say, right? Wouldn't you tell your kids that? Oh, grow up, right? Oh, I'm having a bad day. Like, no, grow up. Grow up. Christ is in you. How bad could it be when you've been given everything? It just means you've allowed yourself, you've allowed yourself over time to just allow you to easily go down there. And so when you recognize it, when you're feeling a negative emotion, that's the time to go, you know what? I know, ding, 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 I need to change and think on something else. Does that, does that help you guys? But it, see, I can, I can be more blunt. I'm pretty blunt anyway, but I can be really blunt in these things because nobody knows who the question was from, except the guy who asked the question, but sorry. Um, but that's what I would tell you is like, just don't do it anymore. Really? Well, you can do that? Yeah, you can. You expect your kids to do it. Why don't you do it? You're older. Right? Anyway, does that help? All right. So the, now we're, we'll get in some deep water here, okay? Woo. Okay, <laughs> you can add to it too. These are kind of fun ones to me. So what, what is blaspheme in the Holy Spirit and the unpardonable sin? Let, let me set this up a little bit. This is where I think because, because sin has been so misunderstood in the, in the Christian community, um, this is like tough area for most people because they're very sin conscious in a negative way because they don't understand what sin is. So and even a lot of you guys, I'll probably say this, and, and your brain will want to go, well, he sinned, like he did something wrong. So let me just ask you this. Let me set this up a little bit. Um, have you ever heard that God is love? Everybody okay with that? I'm not too deep water yet. Right? And that, this is so funny, because when I do this with pastors and elders, like we get into the deep water in the next question. And then... then then, because they are so sin conscious, they actually spin themselves through the roof. You ever seen that? Like you're answering something, like, <laughs> they just get, 
Like everything blows up in two seconds. I go, is God, is love? Is God love? Oh, yes, Mike, God's love. All right. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 13? Oh, yes, yes. I said, well, 1 Corinthians 13 says God, love keeps no record of wrong. So if God is love and love keeps no record of wrong, sin is not something you did wrong or right. Everybody with me so far? This is where they spin through the roof. Because their whole life they've been telling people how bad they are and what a sinner they are. And I go, love keeps no record of wrong. Who's the, who's the heart that's keeping record of wrong here? That guy or that lady, whoever, right? So if love keeps no record of wrong, this should help us divine sin a little bit, in my opinion. So sin, if you look at it, literally it's this, it's this Greek word, hamartia, where ha is negative, and, and martia is from meros, where we get uh, metamorph, you know, like change, like from one sick, like a uh, caterpillar to a, a butterfly, it metamorphs. Remember that from high school biology? It changed. It went from one state to another state. And so that literally... Meros was without your true portion or form. That's all it is. So it means you don't have what you could have in, the, in, in life. So hamartia, if you go look at it, it was really from this, this idea of an archer. Like if you can all picture a, a target where somebody's with a bow and arrow or a gun and they're shooting at the target and they miss the target a little bit, they sinned. Meaning my goal was the bullseye and I hit a little off over here. That's sin. You just missed the target. Here's how simple it is. So we were sharing at House Fellowship the other night. Um, a lot of you guys, well, I know the, the things that Barb and I deal with, the only thing we deal with in ministry are, are three things. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling lack in finances or abundance. I'm feeling lack in health and my relationships and depression and joy. That pretty much covers everything we deal with, right? So that's why we're hitting a lot of these things here. So it could be this, guys. Let's say somebody has a, a goal to, to make a million dollars a year. Why not? Why not a hundred million? Why not a billion? There's no difference. Does that, does that make sense? Because all things have already been given to you. So it's really, so I just want to say this is let's say your goal was to make a million dollars a year and you're making 50,000 a year. You're sinning. That's what sin means. It means I'm missing the target. I, my, my desire is to have this kind of life and I'm, I'm missing it. That's sin. It wasn't because you did anything else or you had bad behavior or anything like that. Sin was just, I missed the mark. I missed the target. So here's how easy it is, guys. If your goal is to make a million dollars a year and you're making 50, what do you do? How do you, how do you change it? How do you hit the mark? Believe you have received it and then you will. So you see yourself and experience as if it's already real, guys, and it happens. That's all sin is. Does that help you? So now we can set up the unpardonable sin and the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit. So let me just read it where most of you guys have heard this. And so this is, this is, this is Matthew. There's different versions of this, but Matthew 12, 31, 32. Um, and this causes people to go crazy, literally, because they think they've committed the unpardonable sin because they think it's bad behavior and somehow they're not going to get to heaven. If you got any of that kind of stuff, just... Please keep listening because it'll free you up unbelievably. All of that is just nonsense that we were taught. So here's Matthew 12, 31, 32. Therefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. In fact, God's never kept record of it. He keeps no record of wrong. That's a good deal, right? Because I, I might have a record otherwise. So all manner of sin, maybe, <laughs> yesterday. So... 
All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be, shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now remember, God doesn't keep any record of wrong, so this isn't him keeping a record of you that he won't forgive you. It can't be. Everybody okay with that? 1 John says the same thing. If you still have the idea of, if you've not been perfected in love, which love never keeps any record of wrong, so there's not God up there with a scorecard. He says, if you still have this idea, you have not been perfected, teleost, in love. You haven't come to the end of love because there's still fear there. And it says, if you have fear, fear has the idea of torment or torture, doesn't it? So if you think you've done something that, that God could never forgive, does that bring fear to Christians? Yeah, it does. They actually go crazy over that because they've not taught what it is. So <clears throat> whosoever speak of the word against the son of man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world or in the world to come. Sounds really bad, doesn't it? All right. So, sin is literally missing the mark, like an archer, missing a target. So you would like to experience something in life. I just used the example of a million dollars, but currently appears you're not. So you're sinning. You're sinning. If you have unfilled desire, you're sinning. That's all sin is, okay? It is not about moral behavior, since God keeps no record of wrong. So what is it? Here's, here's literally what it is. So did God create you in his image? Did he place everything he has within you? So here's, here's, the, here's the audacity of most of us humans. God created us. He breathed, his, he breathed his spirit into us. And then we go, wow, that's not possible. We, we, we tell ourselves things aren't possible. Who in the world are we to tell that anything's possible or not possible when we didn't even create ourselves? Christ is in me, the all-powerful God that created everything's in me. I'm going to tell him it's not possible. So what is the unpardonable sin? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, and that will never change. So you could be begging, screaming, crying out, casting out demons, whatever, but ultimately you get what's in your heart. It's unforgivable. It's, the, the spirit is submissive to you. Does that, does that make sense? The beautiful part is you can change it at any time and receive the target. But whatever you're dwelling on, whatever you're believing on, ends up happening. That's the unpardonable missing the mark. That's all it is. Does that help you guys? Let me just make sure I covered what I wanted to cover on that. All right. So, it, uh, so you could be praying, begging God. I just used the example. You could be begging God for more money. But if in your heart you see yourself poor, you see everything's affected by COVID, the economy, my job, this and that, you're sinning. Because you're doubting Christ within you, he created you, and now we're telling him he can't do that. That's sin. That's all it is. So, it, and I wrote, it, all, it could also be described as ruled by your physical senses. So, denying the spirit within you, not knowing the spirit is a million times more powerful than what you're experiencing, that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It's saying that God can't do something in your life. That's all it is. He's not upset with you because the Spirit's submissive to you. He's just saying, that can't change because that's how I've done it. While the earth remaineth, which he describes as your heart, seed time and harvest shall, shall not cease. Whatever you plant there, you'll experience. And that won't change, so it's not forgivable. Does that help you? It has nothing to do with him mad at you, never will be, never has. Fair enough? Okay. Um, here's another one. This is, this is uh, boy, this is probably, Ashley, you probably get this like Barb and I all the time too. We hear all these amazing testimonies. Why isn't God answering our prayers? I just told you why, actually. He's answering them perfectly. You're getting exactly what your heart is expressing. It's always perfect. There's nothing out of order. Isn't that crazy? 
Once you catch that, life gets pretty exciting. You mean all I have to do is change the imagery in my mind and the emotion that I feel and it, it effortlessly comes to pass? How's that? That testimony that the lady is chained up demonic, right? And that's what they said. Believe you have received it. Well, what did they want in that case? They wanted her whole and healthy and vibrant and everybody happy. So we visualized her whole and sane, beautiful, happy, back to normal. We imagined the grandma and her sister telling us how amazed they were that the change had taken place. And this was a real miracle of God, that not, and she's so much better. In our imagination, we saw them jumping and praising and telling us how it all happened. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe you have already received it. You're not asking for it. You're experiencing it as if it's already real. Then you'll have it. Change the, change the inner man, the focus of what you're picturing. Or hear yourself like we were talking about. Just don't be ruled by your five physical senses, guys. you got to turn that off because it's changeable. You go within and experience anything you want, and then you'll experience it in your, in your outer world. Can I add to that a little bit? Yeah. <clears throat> the other night on, um, I think it was the morning. Want some of this? You can have some. Oh, good. Um, the call on you brought up, or somebody brought up the, the scripture about that if you've even had thoughts in your mind, you've already committed adultery. Against, well, that was the that was the narrative with Jesus where they're going. Right, right, yeah. Right. So, basically, I took that in such a different light. I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's exactly what you're saying." Is that that if you thought of something, and committing adultery has the concept of planting a seed and birthing something, right? Of having intimacy and birthing something. I was like, "That's right." Is that if you've even thought of something? And a lot of times, people take that like the question is they're thinking about. Well, I want something to happen good, but they don't think about it. Did I plant that seed of negative, and now I'm seeing the fruition of that in their life? And so if you've even thought of it in your heart, you've planted the seed already, and that that comes to pass, that you've committed adultery in your heart, which is the soil versus where the seed is sown, and then things come to pass. So anything um, even negative that we see in our lives, if you really, really, really checked yourself and looked inside, Somehow, somewhere, some way, we planted that seed and have created it in some respect. Perfect. Yep. Um, and I just wanted to answer. I want to spend a little time on this because this is what we've really been trying to, to get people to get a hold of. Um, so, <clears throat> and I just wrote some things here. Prayer is not asking God for anything. Like, can I have this God? Because if you come at it from that point, then you get all this weirdness that we were taught. Well, sometimes he says no, or sometimes he waits, or you ever heard that kind of nonsense? You can't find that anywhere in Scripture. That's made up stuff. That's because of their own impotency in, in, in prayer. So, believe you have received it, and you will. And it's aorist tense. I've told you that. Aorist means, I already have it. It'd be like this, like... Uh, um, sweetie, can you, can you get my notebook for me? She'd be like, it's in your hand, which is exactly what lambano means, receive. It means lay hold of what you already own. You own everything. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Can God, the creator of the, the world, who holds everything together, makes everything work, no limits, he's given you himself and his ability. Is there anything too hard for God? 
You're, you're, if there's anything in prayer where you're doubting, you're trying to place it on yourself. And it doesn't belong there. It's the only trust we need. We, gosh, we're, this is really deep water now. Most of you are completely impotent in prayer, not because of you don't have the ability or don't have a gift or anything like that. Everybody has the same thing. We have the same spirit. Everybody okay with that? All of us have the same thing. You've been taught that faith, this is why, when I, when I read Francois last week, where he says, if you are just believing, and he called it veneer. Do you know what veneer is? It's just surface level. It's like a veneered wood is just, it's cheap, cheap lumber, and then they put this nice thing of mahogany or oak or something on it, right? I mean, it's all show. It's just veneer. And he goes, if, if, if you've just been taught that certain things happened with a man 2,000 years ago, he goes, it's mere veneer. Now you've been taught, if you believe all these things, and you, in fact, you teach your kids this, this is what we believe, and this is what happened, and, and if you believe that, now you're saved. Really? That's mere veneer. But that's what you've been taught that's what faith is, which is why you're impotent, because you haven't been taught how to have faith. Faith is, believe you have, receive it, and you have it. Well, no, that's because Jesus died 2,000 years ago and rose again, now I'm saved. Yeah, but your life sucks. And so Zoe, Savior, we, I was just dealing with Sierra and, and Chris and Kimmy Abeda on this, is it's so much more rich than going to heaven, guys. Because heaven's within you. Heaven and hell are within you, Right? It's not somewhere you're going somewhere. It's what you're experiencing in the present moment. And what you're going to experience forever is what it says. And you have the ability to decide whatever you're going to, to experience. So, so Zoe, if you go look it up, it literally, it's this, it's, it's this beautiful word in Hebrew too, but I'll, I'll, I'll get down that track and then I get really excited. And so, because it, once you get the Hebrew, you're like, oh my God, this is beautiful. Who taught us this nonsense? You know, like, it's so bad what we were taught. It's, uh, it literally is to be healed, to, uh, to be whole, to be prosperous, Everything in your life works is so dope. So if, you're, if, you, if your faith is simply breathing in a creed or, you know, we taught our kids to grow up in the faith but didn't teach them how to have faith, you taught them nothing. It's mere veneer. Now that's deep water, I know. But here's what I've always said, which I keep saying to you guys all the time. Check yourself. I check myself all the time. If a single mom with stage four cancer comes to you or she's chained to a bed, do you know how to deal with it. And if you don't, you don't have faith. You don't. Don't tell me about something happened about 2,000 years ago. You don't have it. Does that make sense? It's like in the scriptures, it was like, come on, guys, you're still talking about baptism and stuff. You should be teaching others this. You're still in the infantile baby stuff, is what scripture talks about, right? Well, I believe this. It doesn't help you with the single mom with stage four cancer. I'm glad you believe that. Congratulations. Even the Diablos believes that is what it says. Doesn't it say that? Wow, you're no better than that. What does work? Christ in you. Christ in you. Knowing that you have it. You have the kingdom of God within you. He's given it to you. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom, which is his royal rule and reign. I can rule it royal and rule and reign like God. Does that, does that make sense to you? So, believe you have received something because you have. You already have it. It's not, like, it's not like your belief made it real. Everything's already real. 
Everything that's ever, ever been created is already created. It's real. It's there. It's God himself. It's, he's spirit. The spirit is submissive to man. That's the craziest thing that like, we hear. Like The spirit is submissive to me. It's King David going, who am I that God would give me the car keys of a Ferrari when I'm three? Like That's how I like to analogize it. Like He trusted me with the keys? Oh, man. And I've, messed, I've had a few accidents with the keys. You guys? It's all a learning process. But then you realize you have the shin of God. You have the fire of God. Like, oh my God, I don't have to be guilty or shameful about anything. I can simply see myself how I want it to be. And it takes care of my past, present, and future because there's oneness. It's so great, isn't it? So here's why am I saying this? Because I know you guys are well-meaning, but come on, guys. If you start, if you start your prayer request like this, I just wrote some that like I got in a day. Okay, you could, you could do the same thing, right? Okay, so prayer, prayer is not asking God for anything. It says this, up until now, you've not asked anything in my name. And that's not yelling Jesus, guys, because that's not his name. Name means nature. So here's what he's saying. Up until now, you have not asked anything in my nature. You haven't asked, you haven't asked as God, like in God's nature. How does God do things? Does he ask himself, can I have this? Maybe it's not my will. Right? <laughs> And that's how he would look at us, like, come on, guys, get off second base, right? Like, this should be easy stuff. But I get it. That's why I'm hammering this so much and so often, because I realized what I was taught. And I'm like, God, that was like a waste of my time, a total waste of my time. And so <clears throat> you and he are one. He's given you himself, everything he has. So he goes, up until now, you have had asked anything in my nature. Here's how my nature works. Ask, and it really is this, Kay Fairchild does a great job. I've shared that with you. It's not about, Lord, can I have this? Because you've been given everything. It's really similar to receive, which is this word lambano. Decide whatever you want and lay hold of it, lambano it. Aggressively go, that is mine from this day forward. And you see yourself as already having it, and it will. So, so that your joy may be full. So any prayer request should be full of joy and praise because you're telling us what you already received. Does this help you? Is this how you pray? Let me tell you how my business is going. Let me tell you how my marriage is. Let me tell you what I, let me tell you how about my health is. This is how it usually starts. Ashley, see if I'm wrong. I've just been diagnosed. <laughs> All right, you've, you've laid hold of that. Believe you have received it and you'll lay hold of it, right? We've been really going through a love patch. Um, please pray for this. Have you ever done this? Um, please see us doing this. What should all of those be? I believe I have received. So up until now, you haven't done anything in my nature. See yourself. So any prayer request should be this. Oh my God, you wouldn't believe how awesome it's going. Believe you've already received it and you will and your joy will be full. Does this help you? That's prayer, guys. Prayer is rejoicing. Up until now, you've not asked anything in my nature. Lay hold of it and you will receive it so that your joy may be full. So it really is all of the potential in the world exists to you. You can choose anything you desire. Why would you tell me you've just been diagnosed with something? That is not prayer. 
Prayer is joyful jubilee of what you already received from God. Does that make sense to you? Now your prayer will be answered and you won't go, why is it not work? I prayed last night and it didn't show up. You ever have that one? Like all the time. <laughs> I imagined it last night and it didn't show up. Wait a minute. It should be, I'm so pumped up because this is what I'm seeing and that what I have. Then you'll have it. Okay? I won't keep hammering that. How, how, we, how are we doing on time? We good? Um, ask something of Barb. People want to hear her. Oh, now tell your story. Yeah, that's a good time to do your journey. It's not really my story. It's somebody else's story. She's going to tell you that. <laughs> no, it, I was, um, I, one of the, the things people are like, well, how did, how did you get from where you were, basically from legalism to freedom, to feeling peace and joy and just totally free? And it's a journey for all of us. And if you, want, if you choose to, you can look at it as an exciting journey. Did we always like where we were? No. Do we want to go back there? Absolutely not. But, but it still is part of our story and part of our journey. And so I wrote down a few notes here. Um, for me, when, when I met God or, you know, met, I like to say, perfect love, perfect unconditional love, that's the way I saw him. I experienced... When she met me. I know. <laughs> um, is That was just my personal experience is that I felt overwhelming love overwhelming, unconditional love just swarming and through me, in me, whatever, all those different things. So my perception of God is love. And obviously scripture says that, um, that God is love. And um, in love, and it's, I wrote down the scripture for those of you that need that. It's 1 John four eighteen. In love, there is no fear. Okay. And, and fear is from the word phobos, which means Fleeing because you feel inadequate. This is from Strong's. So in love, there is no fleeing because you feel inadequate. In love, there's no avoiding because of dread. That's another definition of fear. And so if I, I went from that perspective that God is love, so if there's anything that I re read or was taught that didn't line up with that, I had to question it. And there were lots of things, you guys. I mean, when we, you know, quote unquote, got saved or whatever your experience, your salvation experience is a good way to describe it because I felt whole all of a sudden. And whatever that experience is for you, um, typically is how you're going to view God. So anyways, if anything that I was taught or read didn't line up with God as love and that there isn't any fear, then I started to question it. And maybe I misunderstood it or misinterpreted it. And that's one thing that I absolutely love, honey, that you're sharing, going back and looking at the Greek and the Hebrew because it's such a more beautiful thing. And now I understand on people's journeys that, I mean, we read the Bible. I don't know if you read it. Did you ever read it all the way through? No. Okay. I did. I was a student. <laughs> so I, when I met this amazing God, I was like, oh. I want to know who he is and how this works. And so I was like, somebody told me, a friend said, well, read the Bible and, and go to church. So I was like, okay, okay. Because I was so in love with this entity, this being that loved me so unconditionally. So I started, I started from Genesis. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I did. All the way through the Bible. I've probably read it through twice. Got stuck in the Old Testament, of course. But I read these horror stories. If any of you have ever read the Old Testament, there are like horror stories in there if they don't know how to interpret it. And I absolutely did not know how to interpret it. I was reading it as a Western mind, 
literally, as a historical book that all these things literally happen. And if you haven't done that, um, that's good. Don't do it. <laughs> because I remember feeling just like, wait a minute, this is not the God I met. This is not love. This, how can this be that all these people were murdered and killed and, and even says God did it? And so those were some of the questions that, you know, I think a lot of Christians, if you read that, you just kind of skip over it. Like, well, I don't know. Well, question it. Well, why, why does he even say that? What is it? I mean, that's, anyway, so um, I think if you can ask yourself that question, why do I believe what I believe? And so, okay, so in love, there is no fear. So in God or in perfect love, there's no fear. So any message that can produce fear or anxiety or worry or any of those lower emotions, anything that you're hearing from anywhere that doesn't produce love and peace and joy cannot be God. So this is just my logical mind. We were both, you know, engineers and um, I needed some logic, you know, a procedure. And so I was like, okay, if God is love and in love there's no fear. So if I'm being taught something or hearing something or going to a church service or listening to somebody online or whatever, and it's producing an anxiety, a fear, a worry, an unworthiness, I'm not good enough, that can't be God. So are you guys with me? Does that make sense so far? Okay. Because, I, I mean, I think I'm a fairly logical person, so this made sense to me. Okay, so anything I hear, whether it's coming from a pulpit, from anything, if it's love, perfect love in God, it should produce righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Okay, so I would say the number one thing that helped me on my journey was to be open and willing to ask myself questions. I think it's even more important to ask yourself questions than to ask other people. Because I think people can get in the habit of going, well, let me ask this guy, and let me ask this guy, and you know, let me see what they say. Why don't you ask yourself those questions? And start going, why do I believe what I believe? Does that even make sense? Do I believe it just because that's what I was taught? And so for those of you that have been in a church environment for a long time, and we, I grew up in a, a Lutheran church, and it was fine. You know, it was kind of benign. It didn't really affect me. I don't feel like one way or the other too much. But it was after I got, quote unquote, saved that then I, <laughs> I'm like bombarded with all this religiosity. And I took a lot of it and believed a lot of it. But it wasn't until time went on and I'm like, this can't, we both said that. And we, this can't be that hard. Oh, totally. I know. The devil now is after us because we were, you know, dangerous. Okay, let me, let me cover that one real quick. Because <laughs> I hear this a lot. Oh, you're, you don't bother the devil right now until you get saved. And the reason your life sucks after you got saved, because now the devil's after you. Stop. Diablos is not a, it's a personification, guys. It's a character. There's not anything real. There's one spirit, right? There's no literal devil. You know what's after you? Guilt. They just played the shell game on you. It's the biggest bait and switch in the world. God is grace and everything's free and it's beautiful and, and all this. And now that you're saved, stop doing this, stop doing that. Don't do this, don't do that. Get rid of these friends. Come over here and give me your money. And throw all the way all your old CDs. Now I'm pissed that we wish we would have had them. <laughs> so there's nothing. The devil's not after you. You got wrong thinking. That's it. Where was I? <laughs> 
Well, oh, right, 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 right. No, 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 no. Okay, so, so then I got taught all this stuff, okay. And I received it and re- believed a lot of it, but we always had questions. And then we started thinking, wait a minute, we call God a father, right? And if he's a loving father, and he's got to be way more loving than we're capable, because he is love, would we ever do this to our kids? Would we ever make it that difficult? And you guys, we did, did all the stuff. So the reason I know Mike kind of makes fun of a lot of things in the Christian world and everything, we did all of it. We did the fasting. We did, we did the hanky. We did, we did the mantle. I wish Sulin was here right now. I'm going to get a tattoo of a scarlet L right here. Big L. We did the anointing oil. We did 21-day um, fast. We did praying in time. We did a lot. Probably because whatever we did, we were all out. Like when we got a hold of something, we're like, ah, we're going to do, do it 100%, 100 and whatever, if you can do, <laughs> do more. And so we were all in. And, and then, you know, it seemed like there were people that had been doing this thing much longer than us, so they must know what they're talking about. And so we would follow them, believe them, well-meaning, and I have no beef with anybody because I believe that people believe in their heart that they're doing the right thing. But we just had questions. And, and that would say the number one thing in our journey to get from believing a bunch of stuff because somebody taught me that, and I listened to it enough that it now became a part of me, to experiencing total peace and joy and freedom is start asking questions. There's nothing wrong. And a lot of times I think in the Christian community, people feel like they can't ask questions. It's a good thing to ask questions. You know, why, why is that? Why? And ask, you know, and it doesn't have to be necessarily scriptural questions, but um, I know for me, one of them, and this was quite a few years ago, I started thinking about the concept of hell because I realized that Everything I did in my Christian walk was based in fear. The reason I fasted, the reason I talked to somebody or tried to get somebody to, to say Jesus or whatever, it was based in fear because I was fearful of if they didn't, what's going to happen to that person? And so I started questioning the whole concept of, of hell from this perspective. I had this little conversation with myself. I thought, okay, God's love. I know he loves me unconditionally. And, and I, I think I probably don't love more than God loves. But if I were God, and I knew the beginning from the end, Solomon is my oldest son, and I thought, if I knew that I was going to have this child, and he was not going to say the magic words and do what I was taught that was necessary to become a Christian and spend eternity in eternal torment, I think, out of compassion, I would choose not to have that child. And I thought... And you've got to be more compassionate than me. So I think I have my concept of hell is off somehow. That was just, again, my talking to myself and going through this logical process. And then as you dig and you understand what the words mean and, and how it was written, it's a much more beautiful thing than we were ever taught. And so, again, I think questions are good. And, and it's okay to be wrong. I think we've never been so happy to be wrong. I mean, Praise God. <laughs> Can we sing about that? I was wrong. And I'm so glad I was wrong because it's a way better scenario, a way better life, a way better God. I mean, the God that we were kind of brought up with was um, psychotic, I think. <laughs> so, and don't be too proud to be wrong. And I think that, that 
keeps people where they are sometimes without just going, what if I was wrong? Or what if the people that I listen to could possibly be wrong? And not to get angry, upset, or mad at anybody, but to realize that it's, it's okay. And it's okay to laugh at yourself. And it's okay to um, make mistakes. I think that's one of the hardest things in the world. I have to tell a quick story about my sons. <laughs> is when they were much younger, um, so, or Solomon and the bear is the younger one. They were in a tiff or something. And I said, come on, you guys. You're both wrong. You know, Solomon, say you're sorry to bear. Say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. So Solomon went ahead and did that. I'm sorry, Bear, I was wrong. And Bear goes, I'm sorry, I was sort of wrong. <laughs> he just could not get himself to say I was wrong. And it made me realize, because he was quite a bit younger, that that is that innate desire to be right at all costs. And you know what? Sometimes you will find absolute freedom in being wrong about things. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so, I, again, I wrote here, realize that no one has all the answers, and that's okay. Um, okay, I think that was a, did I, I just want to share that because we've been where, where everybody, if you're, if you're struggling with some of these things that Mike has shared or different concepts of, like, the Bible, like, what? It doesn't say that. That's not what I was taught. That's not what I believe. That's not what I've taken in and sown in my heart. Sometimes it's hard to uproot those things, and a lot of times you don't want to. But just start being open enough to ask yourself the questions, like if there's something that you're feeling or hearing or that you personally believe that does not bring you peace and joy and love and rest, and you just go, that's such good news, question it. Be okay with questioning it. And, you know, I think, again, a lot of times we're just taught not to question things. And I think it's a big mistake. I think that we need to think for ourselves, and um, we don't have all the answers either. I mean, you might, but I don't. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I. <laughs> yes. But I know Christ within me has every answer. So I know I can receive anything because he knows everything and has everything, and he's given himself to me. Isn't that good? Were you done? Yeah. Okay, one last question for Barb. It said, uh, and then we'll finish. We're, we're done. So, how did you get so good looking? Oh, that's my, I added that one. I like to do that to her. My kids are like, oh, dad, oh. <laughs> but it's fun. So, here's the cool part. Does this help you guys a little bit? Just some tough stuff. Yeah, and so if there weren't questions that, you, that uh, we didn't cover, like tomorrow night, 6 o'clock mountain, you can jump on freedomministries.live and, and uh, passwords freedom, all lowercase. And we'll go a little bit more, and then we're going to go to the concert after that. So, um, here's what I want you to know. Just finish with, guys. What's the dream life look like to you? What does the dream relationships look like to you? What does the dream uh, business look like to you? What does the dream finances look like to you? Because everything's already yours. There's no limits to Christ within you. There's no limit to God within you. He's given you everything, and He's created everything, and He's made it available. He's just made it spiritually, where you. Because it has to be, right? If you, if you had everything that you ever desired right now, you'd have a lot of things you didn't want and a lot of things you did want, right? So that's why he gave us the shin or the fire of God within to completely change it and then bring into whatever situation you do want. Like it's literally like a dry erase board. We can wipe it off and then recreate. That's the fire of God in you, the Yeshua, Yasha in you. That's, that's what we have within us, right? Now, isn't that a better message than 
what we were taught. Like, you mean I can change anything at any time? Yes, that's how beautiful it is. And you can receive anything at any time. And what faith simply is, I have it. I believe I've received it. And I trust God who's in me. That's all it is. And I would say that um, that hit me one day too. I'm like, oh, faith is believing that what you did in your imagination, what you saw and what you felt to be real will become, that's faith. Yes. Is and it's already real. Yes. It just brings it into the physical realm. Isn't that wild? Which is that all the prayer verses basically say the same thing when you look at them. I'm bringing it any potential into the physical realm, which is the cough of God, the Barak. You can create anything by the bar as offspring or what you create, bet resh. What you do in your mind within the, within the tabernacle is bar, it's offspring or son. What I create, cough. What you did in there, you just imagine any desire you want as if it was real. And it takes the potential from the spirit into the physical realm. That's the blessing of God. And he's given you every blessing that pertains to life and godliness. Anything you could ever desire is already yours. Why don't you just start seeing yourself as having it and it becomes. And if scripture doesn't line up from that, you're not interpreting it right. I promise you. There's a better spiritual interpretation than what you've heard. So hope that helps, guys. God bless. Thank you, sweetie. You're awesome. Love you. I get to take her on a hot date tomorrow. <laughs>